welcome to What's Brewing, CISFA? What's Brewing, CISFA is a podcast produced for the California Community College's Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as the 2021-2022 CISFA past president. Today's episode is our second of eight makeup episodes that account for the nearly two weeks I've been off the air while taking vacation. So in this short but up-to-date, up-to-the-point episode, we're going to explore a single financial aid or higher ed topic. Let's get the show going. All right, everybody, and welcome to another special episode of What's Brewing CISFA. As you may have listened, hopefully, to the episode that I put out just before this one, We're doing single topics on a few episodes here as we are ramping up to getting to episode number 200 by the end of the month of June. So to do so and to account for the fact that we've missed some recording dates while I've been on vacation, uh, we're uh, wrapping up here with some makeup episodes, as I would call them. Also, the non-definitive guides to certain things about financial aid or higher education. So our first episode, I talked briefly about financial aid as a concept, you know, what what it is out there. And again, it was very non-definitive. I didn't even bother to break down the fact that, you know, we have different types of aid, grants, scholarships, loans, work programs, uh, waivers of sorts, where we waive particular fees and such, you know, those type of things. So Again, like I said, non-definitive, but maybe on this one, maybe a little more definitive. This episode, I want to talk about what sometimes I introduce to parents and students as the magic formula, because as far as everyone's concerned, it seems magic out there. And what is this formula? It's what we call the formula for determining financial need and eligibility for students. So it is the thing that when I throw up on the slides... That was bad use of words, but when I put the slides up in the room uh, from my PowerPoint for parents, I break it down into the parts that they need to know about in this formula, which I put up the word, uh, not words, but the uh, abbreviations of COA or acronyms, I should say, COA minus EFC equals financial need. So that's a lot there to start. Let's start right in on it. COA. So part of this formula to figuring out financial need, which is thus what kind of financial aid we might be able to get to the student, we start with what we call the cost of attendance, COA. So as I would always explain, before a school can award a student financial aid, we really have to have an idea of what is it going to cost for them to go to school for the coming year. So by federal law, we are to create at the colleges for the students, and you can do it on a mass basis. You can do some tweaking per student. What is the estimated cost of attendance? Pretty straightforward. All the things that you're allowed to look at would include tuition and fees, of course. Now, some schools, when they calculate these costs of attendances, they have like a blanket estimate for those costs in particular. For full-time students versus part-time students or such, maybe graduate students because their tuition could be different. But tuition and fees, the most direct cost of going to school, certainly part of cost of attendance. 
Then there's room and board. Now, again, even for students who might be living at home or living with relatives or living off campus, we can figure out that they have some living expenses. They have to live somewhere and they have to eat. We call it room and board because if you're living on campus, that concept makes sense. You're renting a room, usually in a dormitory or residence hall, and then you've got a meal plan. They like to keep you on that meal plan. So again, (laughs) really, so we make sure that college students eat. Uh, But that's called your board plan. So room and board can be included too. And again, not just for students living on campus. Then we have books and supplies. Now, over the years, this amount has varied quite a bit as far as what students actually paid. Because if you think about it, the cost of books continues to go up. But so many colleges now are working on plans for what we call like zero cost educational uh, resources and such. I think there's a couple different acronyms out there like OER or such. The idea here is to find resources that students could use other than $100 or $200 books that are either zero cost or lower cost. But for now, at least, books and supplies can be a major cost. And especially if you're in the arts or other fields where maybe you have to buy art supplies. Multimedia students who might have to buy uh, SD cards for their digital cameras or other things related to uh, in-classroom experiences. So... Room and board, tuition and fees, books and supplies. We have a whole area for like personal expenses also in there. You know, when you think of things like cable bills, health insurance, stuff like that. Again, a school makes that determination. So just because a student has uh, decided to take out a expensive lease on a BMW and has high cost insurance because of that, doesn't mean we're going to factor all that into the cost of attendance. There are some reasonable expectations here. Same thing for transportation. Again, there may be slight differences in the transportation costs for a student who lives on campus, who walks to classes most of the time, and that may be really at a four-year university in most cases, versus those students who might live off campus or live with parents who have to commute to campus every day. So a school, to get to a cost of attendance, uses those breakout, breakout categories I was just talking about to come up with an estimated cost for every given student. There may be some general categories. For example, at most community colleges, you're going to have the breakdown between in-state and out-of-state students because the tuition portion is so very different. You'll have breakdown between uh, students who live off campus on their own or those who live with their parents. And for those few community colleges out there, you may have some on-campus living too. So you may have three categories because the housing costs are fairly different for those three groups. Usually we consider if you're living with your parents or a relative, that's likelihood that your housing costs are significantly lower than a student, say, living off on their own or even living on campus in a residence hall. So that's COA, cost of attendance. So it's something that when students start applying for financial aid, they should start to see that kind of information from the colleges directly as far as get you, uh, to give you an idea of what the estimated costs are. Now, one thing I always tell parents is don't be afraid of it because, you know, even if you saw the cost of attendance that we publish for community colleges, 
It could be fifteen, sixteen, or seventeen thousand dollars for a year. And most people know it doesn't cost that real that amount usually to go to a community college. But most people are only thinking about the tuition. And the tuition could be maybe only ten percent of that, fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars if you're going full time for the whole school year. But it's all those other costs that students have control over. You know, when it comes to buying books and supplies, maybe you buy used books. Or again, hopefully some of your professors are putting through to have low-cost or zero-cost resources. And, of course, living costs, we usually do have more control over as far as where you live. Like I would always say for students, if you live off campus on your own, you're paying so much more than if you had roommates. Things like that have to be taken into account. And when I used to work in residence life, it was the same thing. If you have a single room on campus, you're paying the highest amount per semester. But if you have one roommate, you're cutting those costs. And if you're uh, lucky to have room that takes a triple where it's three people in a room, probably even a lower cost. So those type of things you may have control over, just like meal plans too. If you're living on campus and you get a meal plan, now it's not always cheapest to take the, the cheapest meal plan because otherwise that might leave you short a few meals or more throughout the week. But that's, when you see those numbers, don't get scared right away. Now, when you look at a school that might be private, say like a USC or Pepperdine down here in uh, Southern California, yes, a lot of that will be tuition in that cost of attendance. So you do have to account for the fact that that's a direct cost and you don't really have a whole lot of control over it. But let's get back into the formula. So COA, we've talked enough about. EFC, or expected family contribution, it is the number and the reason why we do the FAFSA, the federal aid form, the free application for federal student aid. Or for our undocumented students who fall under the AB 540 rules, you'll be completing the California Dream Act application. But the whole idea of doing one of these financial aid forms is to have it calculate for you the expected family contribution. In a sense, it's the amount the federal government, when we're talking about the FAFSA at least, expects that your family could contribute towards that coming school year's costs. So it's a number as low as zero for lower income families or to, I've seen five digit or even six digit EFCs before in helping parents after they've completed the FAFSA. Again, all based upon the information placed on that FAFSA regarding income and assets, number of people in the household and some other information to get to this number. It's not an exact number. It doesn't mean that if you do the FAFSA with your parents and it comes out to be 5,000, your EFC doesn't mean that you have to come up with $5,000 to go to school. It just means that in this magic formula we talk about today, that is in a sense is going to be factored in to figure out financial need the last part of the formula because the formula is cost of attendance minus that EFC equals financial need. So the numbers I always have up on the slides for parents, I, I give them an example, community college, a Cal State, a UC, and a private school. And I do pick one of the more expensive ones out here in Southern California. And I put up their estimated costs across the screen. Then I put up a made-up sample EFC of like 5000 
And again, if you do the FAFSA, your EFC is the same regardless of the school or schools a student applies to because it's about the family's ability to contribute. So if the estimated, you know, so if the cost of attendance for a community college is 15000 and the EFC is 5000 in the formula, one minus the other would come up with 10000 And that would be the financial need point for the student. And in a sense, that would be the point that a community college like mine would try to fill 100% of that need, if possible, with the different federal and state aid programs. Now, when you're talking a Cal State, a UC, or, or a private school, that might also include money from the school itself. So there you're talking scholarships or grants. Uh, community colleges generally don't have those kind of extra funds, but we're also not trying to account for tuition that is, you know, tens of thousands of dollars per year. So we have cost of attendance minus EFC equals financial need, and that's the starting point for our financial aid office to try to award all the different types of aid that are out there for a student, federal aid, state aid, grants, scholarships, work-study programs, and student loans maybe. And again, you know, trying to meet as much of the need as possible of the student. And in the case of that EFC, like I said, it doesn't mean that a, a parent or a family would have to come up with that amount of money for the school. They could be taking out a parent loan or a student loan to cover even some of their EFC costs. Or again, because of the way you are tight with money and you're smart, you're lowering your actual cost of attendance compared to the estimated cost that the school has. But at least it gives us a starting point. So that's about all I really want to cover on this topic. There's so much more we could talk about. Maybe you'll just have to come out to a high school when I'm doing a, a presentation and hear more about it. But it's a give you at least a starting point to the magic formula, which hopefully isn't as magical as it is a as I brought it on to be. So that's all the time that we have for today's episode. But don't worry, there is more episodes coming out in the next few days. So I want to thank you, our audience, for tuning in. And keep in mind that What's Brewing Ceasefire is a production of Studio 1051, a creative collaboration of me and Dana Yarbrough. This has been episode number 185, recorded Friday, May 27th, 2022. Everybody have a great day.